0: So, yeah, um forgot where I was now. Yeah, Jill had uh, tea and toast in bed this morning. Yeah. So, <sighs> you're all doing a great job. Um, sadly, my mum passed away just before we moved down to our new place in Ferndown. But I really miss her love, support, humour. She was bit of a joker. Don't know where I get it from. Wisdom <laughs> and encouragement. Jill's mum, Jean, keeps me on my toes. So she'll, at some stage she'll work out how to listen to this. So <laughs> happy Mother's Day, Jean. We've got, <laughs> we've got a new, uh, my daughter-in-law, Lauren. This is her first Mother's Day today. She's doing a great job with our granddaughter, grace um but let's forget not forget the other ladies that that aren't mums because you're all still doing a great job and we need you as part of the team you're all playing your own part and we thank you for that okay on to God's word and we're working through the book of Mark and so far, we've picked up some mega themes regarding Jesus. Things like he was countercultural. So he loved the sinners and he loved winding up the religious peoples. He had people questioning whether he was mad, bad, or God. A lot of the time, he speaks to us in parables. He taught us how his kingdom should work. And how it should grow. He forgives. He brings freedom. And he heals. And as we dig in today. He's going to be bringing life. So if you've got your Bibles handy. We're in Mark 5. And from verse 21. I'm doing this on the NLT. Because I find it just a little bit easier to read than some of the other versions but it will go something like this Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore then a leader of a local synagogue whose name was Jairus arrived when he saw Jesus he fell at his feet pleading fervently with him My little daughter is dying, he said. Please, come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so that she can live. Jesus went with him. And all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years, she'd spent everything she had to pay them, but she hadn't got any better. In fact, she'd got worse. She heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him, through the crowd, and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I'll be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she'd been healed of this terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that all the healing power had gone out of her. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, this crowd pressing around you, how can you ask who touched me. But he kept on looking to see who had done it. And then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over." Whilst he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, your daughter is dead. There's no point troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard this and said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John, who was the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, "While this commotion and, and weeping? The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. The crowd laughed at him. But he made them all leave and he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. Holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha cum, which means little girl, get up. And the girl, who was 12 years old, immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed. And totally amazed. Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone what had happened. And then he told her, to give them something to eat. Father God, I just thank you for your word. Lord, this is a very familiar passage to us, Lord, to most of us. And I just pray, Lord, that today we would just get some more nuggets from you, Lord from this passage, Lord, that can help us in our lives. For we ask for that in Jesus' name. Amen. I've called this message A Miracle Sandwich because the text has gone from Jairus and his poorly daughter to a woman being healed as a result of her faith. And then back to Jairus and the family. And as we heard, they all lived happily ever after. As I started digging into the passage, one of the first things that hit me in the eye was the number 12. Jesus heals a woman who's been bleeding for 12 years. And Jairus's daughter is 12 years old. So, if you've got your Bibles handy... How many do you think how many times do you think 12 appears in the Old and the New Testament? Any offers? 187. If you've got a bit of spare time, perhaps you could go through and tell me what they are, because I haven't checked them all. Um, <clears throat> why is the number 12 so important? Not only in Mark's Gospel, but obviously throughout the whole of the Bible. Well, it's considered to be a perfect number, symbolizing God's power and authority. And it also sets up a perfect governmental foundation. And it can also symbolize the completeness of the nation of Israel as a whole. So, I've just gone for a few Old Testament examples, like Genesis 49. We've got Jacob and his 12 sons, and they go on to form 12 tribes of Israel. Genesis again, chapter 17, verse 20. Ishmael, remember Ishmael, Abraham's son, who he bore through Hagar, his servant. He went on to have 12 princes coming from his line. One of my favorites. 1 Kings 19, 19. Elisha, a prophet. He was plowing 12 oxen when he was called into his prophetic ministry by Elijah. And if you look at the Old Testament, how many do you think, how many old... um, Minor prophets, do you think there are? Twelve, yeah. <laughs> Onto the New Testament. Jesus was 12 years old when he first spoke in the temple. Uh, when I last spoke in Mark 3, Jesus had chosen his 12 disciples. When Judas disappeared, Matthias came in to keep the number at 12 to show the perfection and the authority of those that follow Jesus spoiler alert coming up in a couple of weeks time when we go on to mark 6 and verse 43 you're going to hear that Jesus is going to perform a miracle of the feeding of the 5000 and at the end the disciples gathered baskets full of 12 leftovers Later, when you go home, have a look through the book of Revelation. Loads of them in tw- 12 examples in Revelation. So, here on today's Mother's Day, and the first bit of action we've got in Mark's Gospel is a troubled father. It's ironic, isn't it? Um, representing his family, and in verse 22. So the synagogue ruler comes to meet Jesus at the beach. Probably the last person you'd expect to see in this situation. He's almost certain, certainly mates with his other synagogue rulers. And they just clash with Jesus over the man with the shriveled hand a few chapters ago. He might have even been one of them. The ruler of the synagogue is something like our modern day pastor, Cain like you could be a site lead like me Uh, manages both the spiritual and the business affairs of the synagogue his duties would have included conducting worship deciding who would lead the prayers read the scriptures and preach the word No doubt the synagogue rulers would be gathering together fairly often. And no doubt Jesus would be a regular topic of conversation as they try and put a lid on his exploits. So the last thing Jairus would have wanted to have done would be to break ranks, risk his reputation by falling down at the feet of Jesus. But his daughter's at the point of death and he's desperate to do all he can in that situation that got me thinking about the similarity here between Jairus and the Roman centurion that we may have read in mark 7 sorry in luke 7 verses 1 to 10 now in that situation Jesus didn't go to the centurion's house, centurion's, centurion's house to, deal, to, deal, to heal the servant. He just pronounced it healed from a distance and carried on business. In this situation he didn't demand the same of Jairus. So their faith was different. I kind of think Jairus was a bit more belt and braces, whereas the centurion was, yeah. And Jesus is the same with us. He asked us to do the same. Whatever faith we have, that's what he's going to deal with. So whether we're a, a manual Roman worker, an academic Jew, or something in between, knowledge is one thing and faith is another and the same applies to us, doesn't it, in the church today. Okay, we haven't got Jesus in person, but we have got him through our prayers. And here, I'm not, I'm not trying to work out a magical formula that we can follow, but if we look at the principles of Jairus and the Roman centurion, then we're looking at putting ourselves in the presence of Jesus we're looking at humbling ourselves sincerely before Jesus. We lay open our requests with sincere holiness and we have total confidence in the power and the goodness of Jesus. So why are so many people reluctant to approach Jesus direct like Jairus did? Jesus is the only one to heal the outside and cleanse the inside now i think most of us here today have given our lives to jesus so we can enjoy this direct approach if you haven't come and see me afterwards and i'll put you in touch with the the master savior and we'll do some business so let's get back on the on the road a little bit further And what happens next is just what Jairus, the anxious father, was dreading. In verse 25, the woman pushing through the crowd, desperate to get to Jesus. Her condition, yeah, she was ceremonially and socially unclean. And she'd been in that situation for 12 years. 12 years! I, mean, I I thought it was a bad one. I had a nosebleed for a day. But 12 years. In the Old Testament, Leviticus, chapter 15, it's all about laws on bodily discharge. Great. Although, <laughs> although we don't know the lady very well, the poor lady, verse 25 tells us that she wouldn't have been able to participate in worship. And if she was married, she would, have been, she, had, she would have had to have been separated from her husband. As it's Mother's Day, at some stage she might have been a mum and been separated from her family. The, the, the Jewish custom was that if she touched anyone, she also made them ceremonially, ceremonially unclean. So she did all she could. She threw money at it. Now she was broke. She would have been condemned for touching Jesus or even being in a large crowd. So she wanted to do this secretly. So she wouldn't be openly openly asking Jesus to heal her, but thinking... If I only touch his clothes, I will be made well. She believed in the healing and of the power of Jesus and that the border of his garment served as a point of contact would be that faith. Her faith was in Jesus and she went for it. Now, according to the thinking of the day, when the unclean woman touched Jesus, that would have made him unclean. But because of the nature of Jesus and the power of God, that isn't how it works. No. Jesus wasn't made unclean, the one was made whole. And it's a bit like us today. When we go to Jesus with our sin, that doesn't make him a sinner or unclean, but it makes us clean. So it's the same principle. Jesus wanted to bring what had started as a secret mission out into the open. So he singled the lady out and made her known and tells her that her faith has made her well. He did this so that all the others would know that she was healed and she'd be able to get her life back on an even keel. Our dear lady, she might have been thinking that she'd stolen this blessed blessing from somebody, but no, she hadn't stolen it. It was her faith on the day that won it. And Jesus wanted her to know that. So if we ever think that we've ended, it, try again if we ever think that uh, we've inadvertently stolen somebody else's blessing, forget it. Jesus doesn't work like that. If you've got it, it's legit, so keep it. That was his intention. So here on Mother's Day, in verse 34, he calls her daughter. Now, as far as I'm aware, Jesus never called any other person by that name. He wanted her to feel special, to hear this special message of tenderness. So there might be instances when Jesus calls us forward like he called the lady forward. He doesn't want to embarrass us like the lady probably was at the time. We might not know what he's calling us forward for. And quite often, our pride will hold us back. But no matter how embarrassing or awkward that situation is, God blesses us for pressing on through and going for it. So if you feel that to you, just go for it. Don't worry about everybody else. Poor old Jairus. <sighs> Whilst all this was going on, Jairus' daughter laid ill at home, her life slipping away. It must have been torture to see Jesus take time out to minister to the woman while his daughter suffered. God's never slow. Sometimes he seems slow to us as we charge around at 100 miles an hour and want everything now. But Jesus and God is never slow. When he hears the cry, your daughter is dead, his heart must have sank. He must have been thinking something like, I knew this was taking too long. I knew Jesus shouldn't have wasted time with that woman. Now the situation's beyond hope. Jairus, Jesus told Jairus two things stop being afraid, which is easier said than done when your daughter's about to die. But Jesus knew that fear and faith don't mix. Before Jairus could really trust Jesus, he had to decide to put away that that fear. And he wants us to put away that fear too, and to perfect the faith. The second thing he said was only believe. You can't believe and be afraid at the same time. Don't try to believe and suss it all out. Don't try to believe and make sense of everything that's going on. Just believe. Now I think we all agree that God's beaten the devil. But the devil keeps plugging away with the damage of limitations. He knows he can't win the battle of the kingdom of God, but of every available opportunity, he'll try and claw back a little, of ground, a little bit of ground. Here in verse 35, he's at work trying to stop Jesus and his disciples reaching the Jairus household by getting somebody to shout out, the girl's dead. Don't bother Jesus anymore. The devil works in the same pattern with us today. How often have we given up on A prayer or something we've done. We've seen little or no progress, and we felt somebody saying to us, Don't bother Jesus anymore. So no one was allowed to follow Jesus apart from Peter, James, and John, the dream team, often called the inner circle. Was it unfair that Jesus? appears to have some favourites. If John's gospel is anything to go by, John thinks he's the main man, doesn't he? The one who Jesus loves, no less than five times in there. (laughs) Although the big three were among the earliest of the disciples, the Bible doesn't actually say that they are the inner circle. But they were here in the highs, and they were also down in the lows. A couple of further spoiler alerts here. Mark 9, when we get on to Mark 9, verses 2 and 3, we'll see the three of them going up a mountain to see Jesus transfigured. And then a a few weeks later, when we get on to Mark 14, verse 33, Jesus prayed with the three in the Garden of Gethsemane, just before he was about to be crucified. The same team after Jesus were in action again. In Acts 9, verses 38 to 40, Dorcas was brought back to life by Peter, following an exact copy of what he'd learnt from Jesus on Jairus' daughter. So let's get back to the Miracle Sandwich. And in those days, it was customary to hire professional mourners to add to the atmosphere of the grief and the pain. You could sense at the time the mourners' lack of genuine feelings, how they so quickly turned from weeping to ridiculing Jesus. Jesus. They were laughing about the creator and giver of life. Jesus was therefore keen to kick them out and get on with the real business. How often have we ridiculed Jesus? I certainly have. So, I'm sorry, Lord. So here on Mother's Day, we finally see mum and dad together in the daughter's room. With Jesus and the big three watching with delight as the little girl does as Jesus says and gets up. So we've seen a spectacular healing and an even more spectacular resurrection. The latter, a little less common than healings, but there are a few. My favorite is 2 Kings 4 32 to 35, Elisha resurrecting the Shumanites woman's son by doing mouth to mouth. That's another nice Mother's Day story as well, isn't it? The resurrection of all resurrections, though, has to be Jesus himself coming out of the tomb after three days. He is risen. That's far more powerful than a Mother's Day story and good news for all of us, one and all, isn't it? And today we've been reminded about Jairus' daughter. The result was not to advertise Jesus' power to the synagogue rulers, but to show the trainee disciples that nothing is impossible for Jesus. Although Jesus had told Jairus to keep quiet about it, how can you keep that quiet when you've, you've hired these professional people in and they were probably waiting for the money outside? <clears throat> so in this miracle sandwich, we've seen Jesus working in different ways, but either of these are, perfect, are effective. So Jesus can't can touch each of us Jesus, if Jesus can uh, do this, he can touch each and every one of us in a personal way. So, Carl and Gordy, if you want to come back while they're just setting up, I'll just summarise what I've just spoken about. Jairus had 12 years of sunshine with his daughter that he thought was about to end. The woman had 12 years of agony and she seemed a hopeless case. Jairus was an, import, an important man, the ruler of the synagogue, and the woman, a nobody. We don't even know her name. Jairus was probably worth a bob or two. The woman might have been, but she spent all her money trying to get well. Jairus came publicly. The woman came secretly. They both threw themselves at Jesus' feet. Jairus begged and the woman was trembling with fear. Jairus thought that Jesus had a lot to do to to, to heal his daughter. The woman thought, "All all I need to do is touch his garment. Jesus responded to the woman immediately. He responded to Jairus after a delay. Jairus' daughter was healed secretly. The woman was healed publicly. So it doesn't matter how we approach Jesus. There's no right and wrong answers. We're all in different situations. The important thing is that we come. what are you coming for today? What are you coming for today? We've just heard about a miracle sandwich. So I think if you're sick, this would be a good time to come and seek prayer. But let's not limit it to that. If you want to talk to God about anything, do business with him now because he can do anything don't limit him